Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Financial Services REA edition of the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Andrew Iran from RegencyWealth.com, one of the managing partners. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. All right. So Andrew has been published in Institutional Investors, authored a case study in Fabozzi's Bond Credit Analysis, been quoted in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, interviewed multiple times on Bloomberg, CNBC, and spoken at numerous financial conferences around the world. How'd you get started? Well, you know, I had a, an interest in finance uh, since the day I really was in high school. I was the geek walking around with the Wall Street Journal rather than pursuing uh, many sports. But uh, I was always interested in investing and uh, knew I was going to work in the financial world. So got an undergrad in finance and a uh, master's in uh, international business, worked overseas for a couple of years after going to uh, Chase's training program, ended up at S&P doing debt ratings, so kind of got redirected to the uh, fixed income side of the fence, and then ended up running credit research for Alliance Capital um, back in the 90s before becoming a portfolio manager for international credit in the 2000s, and uh, switched careers in 08. After 25 years on Wall Street, was kind of antsy, looking for another change of pace, uh, closer to the family, and teamed up with a one-man operation who was a financial advisor, and uh, figured it was a good time to uh, utilize my CFA and investment background. And that was uh, August of 08. We started working together in December of 08. So it could not, not have been a better time <laughs> in terms of uh, trying to figure out what to do and how to do it on behalf of people. Yes, I went, I left the Fortune 500 financial services company and hung up my own shingle and started our two companies back in October of 07. So also right before the subprime bubble burst, a very interesting time. So tell us a little bit about Regency Wealth and uh, what you're doing now. Sure. So we rebranded that one man shop and we became 50-50 partners. Uh, Spent a couple of years with LPL as quasi-independent. And then moved to um, fully independent RIA at the end of 2010. And in that process, we uh, picked the brain of a friend who was uh, uh, an IRIA solo practitioner and ended up uh, combining our forces. So two became three. We hoped that two plus one would equal four and it worked pretty well. So when we started, um, Mark and I had 25 million under management. 
when we merged, uh, the three of us had 75, and now we have somewhere around 335 million on behalf of uh, 210 households. Okay, congratulations on both the joining forces and the growth over the years. What do you think sets Regency Wealth apart? It's really our team uh, focus. So most uh, of our competitors are siloed. That is, uh, an, an advisor goes and finds a client and it's his client and he gets paid based on whether the client grows or stays with him. Uh, we decided early on that it was gonna be our clients. Nobody owned a book, if you will. We all shared responsibility and focus for all of our clients. And so every meeting we have with a client, we have at least two of the four partners involved so that we can not only understand uh, their situation, but deliver excellent service, even if like the primary person is out of town or on vacation. That makes a lot of sense. I like that you're sharing responsibility so that, again, if somebody calls and someone's out, someone else isn't starting over when they answer the phone right. or take a meeting. How have you grown from the 75 to where the, from where you started to the 300 plus you're at now? It's really uh, almost all of it has been word of mouth, uh, delivering good service for clients. I think uh, underlying that is our commitment, yeah, as you know, IRAs are fiduciaries, but our commitment to uh, make sure that we're using the best in-class products, but also matching the risk of the individual household or nonprofit or small institution um, you know, to, to what they can tolerate, right? If markets go against us, because no one has a crystal ball, we don't know what's gonna happen next week or next month. But if you're carefully aligned, and that was maybe the major lesson of 08 and 09, that painful 15 month period, is that the tendency is for people to bail out just as bargains are being created, right? And to wanna add to risk at the top of the market because they feel the momentum, they run into friends who are bragging about they bought XYZ IPO and it's doing so well. So uh, it's important for us to make sure that people are taking uh, the right level of risk, not too much, not too little given their resources and their expectations. So it's very planning focused. And if we have that match, then we can hold their hands during tough times like in March or 2013 or 2011 or 08, 09. Now we're recording this during the height of the COVID pandemic. I'm not gonna ask you obviously for investment advice on air. However, what are you telling your clients who are concerned about the election, who sure. are concerned about the market environment now, saying the market's too high? I mean, how are you, how are you advising them in that department? Yeah, on a so general in, basis, no sure, specific. On a general basis. When COVID hit, clearly it was out of left field and we went from zero expectations of a recession to 100% expectations of not only a recession, but a global one and a deep one. So the question that we and, and everyone was trying to figure out and still are to some extent is uh, how do we come out of this, right? Uh, how um, shallow is it or how lengthy is it? And a lot of that is still unknown because it's virus dependent. Uh, we're hardened that there seems to be um, a vaccine you know, underway and probably in record time, but who knows how quickly it can be um, safely uh, dispersed. So this is going to be with us for another six to 12, hopefully no longer, but again, who knows for sure. So uh, uh, what did we do? And then what are we doing is basically hedge, hedge our bets. So we bought some products um, that allowed us to participate in a rebound, but uh, importantly limited to downside, um, fairly new product. 
We also have some gold in the portfolio, not a big amount. We're not gold bugs, but it does well in times of uncertainty. And, and if inflation ever comes back, it'll do well uh, then. And importantly, we did move the dial down of risk to what we consider a below neutral standpoint. And we're still there. Uh, we're glad that the markets came back. Uh, we saw the NASDAQ and, and the tech side really um, almost get to bubble-like proportions, but certainly steamy. And now the last three weeks have been letting out some of that steam. So we continue to be diversified and continue to be patient. Uh, you know, the other thing that changed was interest rates were cut in half, basically. A year ago, you could make a little over maybe two and a quarter percent in uh, investment grade bonds in aggregate. And now you can make 1.1%. Whoopee, you can't even keep up with inflation. So the safe part does not uh, offer a lot of value. The uh, risky part, that is stocks, um, is not cheap and it bounces around. So let's make sure we own what we love. And these are good companies. And let's make sure that we don't um, overstep it. You know, wait for the opportunity to be a little better balanced before taking the risk uh, budget back to neutral or beyond. I think that's great advice. You mentioned growing via word of mouth. How are you creating that word of mouth? How are you getting the folks, other than the team approach that you already mentioned, how are you getting them to love you so much that they're sharing the Regency message? Yep. Uh, well, we're keeping them informed. Obviously, a lot of calls back in March and April during uh, tough times. We wrote some pieces to um, share our thinking and why we were thinking that. Uh, the service element also is very important because uh, if you do well in planning and investments, but you don't answer the phone, then um, people are going to go elsewhere. And I think it's that excellent service and that regular communication that um, makes people comfortable, helps them sleep at night, and then to share that story uh, with others. The other way we do it is we create brand awareness by um, making sure we're involved in the community uh, individually but also uh, collectively. So there hardly is a charity event in our general community that we're not involved with as a sponsor. And so that gets the brand out there, but it also dovetails. One of the things we wanna do, you know, other than help people meet their financial goals, we we'll make sure they're as generous as they can afford to be. And at the end of the day, it's their money. They're gonna decide how much to give. We wanna give them the opportunity and sometimes introduce them to an opportunity so that they can bless their local communities and give where they're living and then see the fruits of that rather than wait till they die and then maybe leave it to a charity and not know who's running the charity or how effective the charity is. So it all comes together, right? We're involved in the community. We're hopefully uh, doing a good job as stewards of our clients' money. And then we're encouraging them to be philanthropic uh, while they can. That makes a lot of sense. You talked about the client service aspect and the phone calls. How often are you touching your clients and what media and what ways, what forms are you using to touch them? Yeah, so obviously in the COVID times, it's uh, through Zoom and phone calls rather than in person. Uh, although we also occasionally meet people, you know, in their backyards, on their deck. Uh, we have a courtyard in our building here, so that's available as well. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, Technology is a great thing, right? It can offer us uh, venues like we're enjoying today, but uh, it can also make sure that uh, we can text, email, um, and uh, offer the phone calls. And if people want to talk, by all means, you know, there's no no bad questions, no dumb questions, uh, unanswered, 
unspoken questions create uncertainty. So we want to know what people are thinking. And, and uh, along those lines, we figured, you know, we're doing a lot less entertaining because we can't do much of it. So uh, we reached out to our clients and asked them, you know, what is your favorite charity? Top three charities in, in response are going to get a gift from us on behalf of you. And then beyond that, we're now, uh, when we send clients a birthday card, we're also alerting them that we've um, given us a modest gift on their behalf to their favorite charity. I like that. That's, that's a really smart idea to get involved in something that's emotionally close to their heart, a cause they support. Now, you've achieved an immense amount of success, especially media recognition. You know, for financial advisors, the holy grail might be to get into the Wall Street Journal or on Bloomberg or CNBC. Um, how were you able to get such great media coverage? Well, again, part of it is uh, word of mouth on the, on the professional side. And perhaps my institutional background has helped because um, I was talking to Bloomberg and, and the Wall Street Journal in my prior roles. Um, not to overstate it, it's not like I get a phone call a week or an invitation every month to speak, uh, but they know that when invited, uh, they're gonna get a response and hopefully an intelligent one. So we make ourselves available. You mentioned that you went from one to two to three to more. Talk a little bit about the structure of the team now. Yeah, so uh, there's seven strong, uh, two are focused on client service. Five of us are part of the investment committee. All are uh, highly credentialed. So there's three of us that have the CFA, which takes at minimum three years to, um, to get three different levels of test. And then uh, three of them also, there's one that has both uh, are certified financial planners. So, um, you know, again, we want to deliver excellent um, product. And for that, we have to know what we're talking about. And part of that is learning. And we continue to learn. You know, it's not just get the credential and uh, put it on the wall, but uh, stay on top of things. So we're all intellectually curious. We all love what we do and do what we love. So it's, it's really not a job, but it's, it's fun. That's a beautiful thing. You've achieved an immense amount of success. What's your biggest challenge now? Uh, making sure that when I go off into the sunset sometime within the next 10 years, that um, the organization is still in a very good position to continue to offer what we're offering today. And you give advice every day. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, to spend less than I make. And if you spend less than, than the income that you're receiving, you'll never go broke. Right? And you'll have extra and then you can, again, you use the extra, at least some of it, uh, for other people that uh, are not as blessed as you are. What do you like best about what you do? Uh, it's really, you know, getting people comfortable um, in uncertain times or, and nobody has a guarantee of the future, right? We don't know how long we have until our expiration date hits, uh, but making sure that they're comfortable with the resources they have and that they can achieve those financial goals and, and beyond, right? Do, do even more than maybe uh, they were thinking of doing. So helping people, I guess, is, is really um, the key aspect. The other aspect is just the challenge of trying to figure out what the consensus is drawing and, and where we might disagree and looking for conviction and then expressing it on the margin uh, to help people grow their wealth or protect it. Absolutely. You mentioned several times the word of mouth and the clients sharing their love for what you do. 
Is that all organic? It just happens? Do you have anything specific that's regular to promote that or educate that or create that type of culture? Or how does that come to pass? No, I, I think it's really just being transparent and giving 100% all the time, uh, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves, though, you know, when we're not at work, um, and being approachable. Um, and, you know, if people try to fake it, it's, it's, it's not going to work, right? So, um, you know, we can't help everyone. We don't try to help everyone. Uh, it's not the perfect fit every time. But we're fortunate that um, we have connected with some great clients. We have extremely low turnover. And um, that's, uh, that's a good thing. I know you mentioned being intellectually curious. What three books are some of your favorites? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I think the Bible, because it has uh, un, you know, wisdom that goes through the ages. Um, if you ever have at a loss of reading something, go to the book of Proverbs and read a little bit of that. Uh, every day. Um, so that's one. From an investment standpoint, um, where there's, there's so many out there, uh, from our business and planning, Ron Blue did something called splitting heirs that um, made our family think. And that's the whole concept of if you had um, inherited a lot of money when you were 18, would that have derailed you or helped you? And so um, I thought that was a key question for us to ponder as a family. It's one that I share with a lot of our clients who have young children. How do you plan for their future, help them make life a little easier, perhaps, but not easy, uh, and then protect them from um, being in a bad place, getting too much money too soon. Um, so that that's a worthwhile read. At least the, those two come to mind. And how do you maintain that intellectual curiosity as a team? Talk a little bit about how you build the camaraderie among the team, how you're developing the team. I know you've got to focus on personal development. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we all belong to a local, uh, pretty well-regarded um, planning group, a state planning group. So uh, we get to hear um, you know, lawyers uh, talk about estate planning, investors talking about their investment views. Um, we, uh, we have an investment committee every week and every week there's a different focus. Uh, might be a large, large cap growth, um, maybe one week and a small cap another, or international another, or uh, what to do in fixed income, et cetera. So we're always reviewing our, our uh, convictions, if you will, and making sure that we have uh, the best solution, at least collectively. Uh, and then, it's a matter of kind of pushing each other and challenging each other in a diplomatic way. But, um, uh, you know, there's a risk if you're too nice and somebody recommends something and you adopt it without um, running it through the mill, if you will, then uh, it may, may lead to a mistake. So uh, small shop, highly collaborative. Again, great backgrounds. We all get along. So it's important that uh, as we build a team, we build people with similar mindsets, similar values, um, so that we can keep keep this going. You talked about your commitment to your clients' charitable efforts and helping facilitate that. Yeah. I know that you're active personally as well. Can you talk a little bit about the boards that you're serving on and the causes that you're supporting yourself? Yeah, so, and, and again, each of the partners uh, have active roles and they sit on several boards. We um, collectively as a team, and there's a web, web page uh, within our site 
uh, we support over 200 charities. So uh, boards, I just came off a board for Star of Hope in Patterson um, that um, helps uh, inner city churches uh, deliver uh, resources to those in need. Uh, and that was a great nine years of, of collaboration there. Um, involved with Street to Street, which is involved in New York metro area and also in Patterson, uh, helping uh, inner city youth um, uh, with, with good messages, right? They keep them healthy, they play basketball, but yeah, that's the honey. Once they're involved in the program, they take an interest in their grades, they take an interest in their future education um, and safety and um, you know, personal issues. So um, that's important because uh, it, you know, they'll remember that somebody was there and someone cared, right, as they grow older. It's all the difference. Hopefully they can um, withstand it. So those are the two major ones. Uh, I'm involved in a men's group uh, that I helped start uh, 13 years ago locally. We meet on Friday mornings, it's been mostly virtual of late. But again, it's, um, it's trying to help uh, your, your, um, your friend uh, go through life together. So it's uh, investing in others. Investing in others sounds like a theme that's running throughout different areas of your, of your RIA and your practice. I know your time's incredibly valuable. What else do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you yet? Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, for people to um, analyze their lifestyles, make sure that um, the uh, luxuries don't become necessities. Um, and uh, also, uh, if, if you have issues with uh, budgets uh, and or investments, look for help. There's a lot of people who can help you. All right. Well, we greatly appreciate your time. Again, this has been Seth Green with Andrew from RegencyWealth.com. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>